I mean, there are studies out now showing that, like you mentioned, like early time restricted feeding is might might be the the way to go where you're eating when it's daylight. So you don't have to skip breakfast. There's no like rule about that. Um, sometimes it might be even better to have your meals earlier on in the day and 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 not have them so late. But like you said, life gets in the way, and I think you know that's that's when you just got to be flexible and not be so stringent. Welcome to the Fredrickson Health Show, highlighting expert practitioners from health, fitness, injury prevention, functional medicine, and integrative medicine. If you are into upgrading and optimizing your health, this podcast is for you. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here is your host, Dr. Robert Fredrickson. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Fredrickson Health Show. Today, I'm happy to welcome Brian Grin. Brian Grin is an intermittent fasting expert, wellness coach, author, human movement specialist, and also personal trainer. He's done many different things um, on this health and wellness journey, um, from being passionate about golf, fitness, wellness, and how this kind of transformed into fasting. So today, we're going to talk a lot about fasting, how fasting can work, how it can also benefit your health, but also some people who might not be candidates for fasting because fasting's not initially for everyone. And I think that's important to know. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. So Brian, you know, tell us, you know, when did your health and wellness journey start? Tell us about kind of the early days. Back in the day. Back uh, in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, my journey with how I, I think for me, I don't, <clears throat> I say this, I don't have this huge like transformation, you no know, health journey. Um, I've always been intrigued by it. I was lucky. I started lifting weights early on in my life. Uh, and I think that just sort of led me down the path of health. Uh, I mean, I didn't initially start coaching health and fitness. Uh, I was in the corporate world for about five, six years and realized that I didn't want to sit at a desk. <laughs> so for I sure. wanted to just get up and move and, and yeah, that sort of prompted me to learn more about health and wellness. And I started with resistance training with a lot of individuals and it has sort of grown to the more of a holistic approach where we focus on a lot of different pillars, which I know we'll talk about today. So, you know, for me, I've, my health journey, I, I don't have like a huge story other than, you know, I've just, you know, been trying to optimize my health as best as possible. A lot of it's done through self-experimentation and and obviously having a podcast of my own and, and coaching clients, I've learned a lot from that. So I've just tried to apply that to, you know, myself and, and helping others. That's awesome. So did you start off initially just, you know, like as a typical personal trainer, you know, focus more on weight loss, um, stuff like that. And how's that kind of health and wellness? Cause I know you, now you do, you talk about lab testing and you talk about fasting, you know, how has kind of your methodology evolved throughout the years? Yeah. I mean, initially, yes, it was mainly resistance training, which obviously is a big piece to the puzzle, but I think I started to realize to help get individuals results. I needed to sort of, you know, focus on other pillars of health as well, because they're all obviously they're all linked to some way, right? Like, you know, if you're lifting weights, that's great. But if you're not optimizing your sleep, you're not focusing on um, managing stress, then that's going to take a toll as well. So I just think my journey in health and wellness has just sort of evolved into that as, as to focusing, not just on one thing, but try to get, you know, hit it from every different angle, because obviously everyone's a little bit different in their, in their journey and their goals. And, uh, so yeah, so it sort of led me to that, that approach. Yeah. That's so important because it's more, you know, we all know we should exercise. Everybody knows that, but then it's like, if you're having trouble losing weight, how's your sleep? How's your stress? You know, what are you able to do on a daily basis? How many steps can you get in? You know, not everybody can do 10,000 steps daily. So it's just, um, everyone's different. And I'm sure you've seen that throughout the years. And um, talk about, you know, because you have an interesting background. You started off in finance and then you kind of, um, you kind of led to that you don't like sitting down all day long, maybe behind a computer and you kind of like being out in front of, you know, clients. Um, how is that, you know, what started you in finance and what made you switch or what made you find the switch when that did happen? Well, I think initially most people would attest to this, that when they get out of college, they don't know what they want to do. Uh, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think I studied finance at Indiana and I was like, okay, I'll just get into some type of financial position. And I think those first few years or maybe even longer than a few years, it's about just like finding out what, what, you know, sort of gets you up in the morning, what, what excites you. And, 
And I just realized that's not what did uh, uh, financial working for a financial institution didn't really sort of light me up. And I realized that health did. And so I just decided to follow my passion and, and then just turn it into a business. That's awesome. So following your passion, that's kind of like what, what makes you up, what wakes you up in the morning, what drives you to get out of bed. And uh, for you, it was health and fitness. And I think that's huge because if you're doing something that you hate and you don't like doing, you're not going to be passionate about it. And um, I've heard you talk about this important. I want to talk about um, how you define goals and how you, you know, find a goal and stick to that goal and what other people can do who maybe have str trouble sticking to their goals as well, pertaining to health and wellness in particular. Yeah. In regards to health and wellness and setting goals, I think a lot of it comes down to just planning out like sort of what are those daily steps that you're going to take uh, consistently over a long period of time. <clears throat> I think a lot of times we get so focused on the results that we really don't get, you know, honed in on the process of doing it. And you got to enjoy that process. So I think for me, when it comes to health and wellness or for my goals, I, you know, that's first and foremost is, you know, I, I, you know, I have a bigger picture a bigger sort of vision in, um, in mind, but I really hone in on the process and just staying consistent. And it's not about, you know, doing it all in one day. It's just about doing a little bit every day. Staying consistent, putting in the work. Yeah. Do you set yearly goals for yourself for your, for your, uh, health and wellness, personal and fitness and your business? Um, that's a good question. I would say that I, I, I do have some benchmarks I go by. I've, I've, I'm not like a huge goal setter, actually. I mean, I try to, I try to just do the things that will move my, my health or my business in the right direction and knowing that the results will come. Um, that's not to say that, it, that setting goals isn't a bad thing, but I think a lot of times that, you know, people set goals and then they sort of don't know what path to follow. And I'm all, all about just like following the path and then the goals will come and will come after. Yeah, yeah, that's so true because you can set a goal and not know how to get there. Or you can be strategic and say, hey, I'm already working out every day. I'm already eating healthy. You know, maybe you don't have any weight to lose. Obviously, you don't. You know, you're you're a very fit individual. Um, but yeah, so many people who don't know where to get started, you know, either set a goal or, you know, talk to somebody like Brian who can say, hey, these, these are the steps to get you to that goal or maybe this goal that you want to achieve. Or maybe that, that goal is too large to begin with. Maybe start a little bit smaller and, you know, start chipping away and start being consistent. So I want to talk about fasting. You know, this is the first thing. Um, to be honest, when when you, when I heard about fasting, when we're supposed to talk about fasting, I was like, well, because I I know fasting is not for everybody, but I know fasting can be great for a lot of people. But some people who fast in the mornings, they can have issues, either with hormones, with anxiety, with blood sugar imbalances. But not to scare people away from fasting, because fasting can be a great tool, which you describe, for weight loss, for you know decreasing calories, for increasing mental capacity. Um, cognitive function, et cetera. So tell us how you started fasting and using fasting with your clients. Yeah. I mean, I initially, what drew me to fasting was a client of mine that I was training and, you know, she was pre-diabetic, tried everything and, and, and got into fasting and just had really good results. And so, so that led me down the road of trying it on myself. And I remember when I first started doing it, it was very uncomfortable. Um, and just took me out of my comfort zone. Eventually I got more and more used to it and has sort of led me down this path. Gosh, I've probably been doing it, uh, for the most part on and off for the past, like just say eight years. Um, so, you know, my journey in fasting was just something that I was looking at as a tool to help myself or other individuals, maybe get to where they want to go health wise. You know, obviously as we get older, it's a little more difficult to achieve our health goals sometimes. And we have to find different avenues. And this was, you know, something that I've, has, it's evolved for me, you know, my fasting process. Um, I think I was a little bit more hardcore back, you know, years ago. And now just through my own research and just interviewing some great experts on my podcast, learning more about how, um, you know, it, it is a stressor and, and it could be used as a tool, but it also could be overused and it could be a, you know, sort of a detriment to some individuals if it's not used correctly. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So when you yeah. first started fasting, you know, what did you do? Were you doing um, extended fast, like 20 hour fast, four hour eating windows? What was your schedule like and how has that evolved? Yeah, initially I actually slowly got into it. And I always advise people to do that is where I would just, I was, I remember like if you, I was, if I was used to eating at a certain time, I just gradually pushed it back. 
uh, took advantage of the overnights fast. And and, and, and why did you uh, why did you start to interrupt? But why did you want to start fasting initially too? What led you to to wanting to try fasting? Was because I know you're already was it for weight loss? Was it for mental, um, you know, increases? What what was the? I think initially I just wanted to. Well, for one that my, my client had some great results on it. So I wanted to sort of learn about like how, how that worked. And also too, you know, for myself, I mean, I'm now I'm 42, but I was in my thirties and I just felt like, gosh, what the way I was, you know, my body was in my twenties, it was that much more difficult. I was like, well, maybe I'll just, you know, learn about fasting and see if it can, you know, help me get to where I want to go as far as just like, um, you know, body and even mind. Uh, so that was sort of the, the reasoning behind it. And I wanted to just try it on myself. So very cool. So now, now talk about how you started, you know, with, with your fasting schedule daily, what that looked like when you had your first meal, what was, what was that first meal? Yeah. I mean, initially when I did it, I slowly pushed back that, that first meal, like, let's just say about an hour. And I did that over a week span. And then once I got used to that, I, I gradually pu pushed it back. Um, and then, you know, as far as, you know, breaking the fast, I mean, I think if you've never done it, it's really important to slowly break that fast, obviously chew your food and, and make sure that you're not eating something that's maybe like an irritant to your gut. Uh, so even just like having something like a bone broth or some type of soup is a great way to break it. And then maybe just something light that's maybe easy on your system. Perhaps that could be eggs or, or, um, maybe just a, a light protein, nothing too heavy. But yeah, no. So it was just something that I gradually got into and, you know, my, my fasting windows have changed through the years. I mean, right now I've actually cut back and I've, I've opened up my window and, um, for a few different reasons, I'm just experimenting with whole food carbs and just seeing how that affects my performance in the gym. And so, but you know, it's one of those things where I think for anybody, you want to sort of decide what your goals are and then maybe do some type of measurement as far as it doesn't have to be like, I use, I use a DEXA scan a lot for myself and nice. clients. Yeah. So, uh, DEXA scan, but it, it could be something like calipers or something. Maybe, uh, I know there's, um, ones where I can't think of the name where you like hold the, um, these like, um, it's an apparatus where you step, step on it. It gives you an idea of like where you're at body fat percentage. Like the in-body scale maybe? Or? Yeah. Yeah. The in-body. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but anyways, it's good to sort of measure and test where you're at, you know, both in that and then blood work and things like that as well. Very cool. Yeah. So when people, what are some things maybe people do when they start fasting that they, that they do wrong or maybe they could do better? I mean, yeah, so it's, uh, maybe it's like breaking the fast or maybe they, they put cream in the coffee and maybe that, do you think that breaks your fast? And like, well, what are some things like that? You know, I mean, yeah, that's a common question as far as like what breaks a fast. I mean, I think that, yes, I mean, anything with caloric value technically breaks a fast, but I think through the years I've become more, not is like hardcore on that. I mean, if you want to put cream in, in your coffee, I think that's completely fine. If it, um, and, or butter, like a lot of people like to do, but, um, I don't think that's such a big, big deal. I mean, you have to think about your reasonings behind why you're doing fasting. I think the biggest one for most people, at least for my clients is just to create some boundaries for the, around your day and around eating. Um, it doesn't have to be some type of contest where you, Oh, I didn't go for 20 hours today. I mean, um, there's more and more studies coming out now, even showing that, you know, if people are like, Oh, I want to do it for like cell cleansing or autophagy, which is another reason people look into it is honestly, exercise can be just as effective. Um, some type of high intensity exercises. Um, I was just looking at some studies today about that. So there, there's many ways to get that, to get there. And it doesn't have to be these long extended fasts. Um, if that's something you want to do maybe once a year, just to, just to, um, you know, just to self-experiment and, and do some, you know, do some, I don't know. I, I think a lot of times when you get into fasting, it's just becomes more of a mental cleanse than anything. It does. Yeah. So, and yeah. I like how you mentioned the, some of the buzzwords that we hear in this, in this field is like autophagy. And, you know, that was a big buzzword, for, you know, at least where I'm at, you know, past couple of years, we're hearing about it, but like you mentioned, autophagy happens all the time. It happens every right. single second, every single day. And, and actually intense exercise can increase autophagy. Can you tell us just like what the definition of autophagy is for anyone who doesn't know? I, yeah. The, the definition is like self-eating. So it's like, um, it's just a way for your body to almost, I almost like equate a lot of things to like cars. Like if, if you were going to take your, you know, if you had a car, you, you would obviously have to take it into the shop, uh, unless you got like a, 
uh, an electric car, you probably don't have to take it in much, <laughs> but a normal car you're taking it in to get, uh, you know, tires rotated, oil changed. And, you know, same type of things with, with your, with your body and autophagy and cell cleansing is, is, you know, just, uh, uh, uh getting rid of the bad cells and allowing to, new cells to come in. And, and so it's sort of almost like a recycling process. Right. But you don't have to fast to do that, but fasting does increase it. Um, I think that's where a lot of people, they yeah. think they and, have. And, and, and again, as far as fasting and autophagy, I think the, the, it's still the verdict out there as far as like, I think as far as how long, I think that's not a black and white thing. Yeah. Cause I've heard so many different things, you know, yeah. it has to be three days, it has to be three days to, to fast. And then you get the increase in stem cells. And um, then there's some studies, Hey, just doing daily intermittent fasting can increase the top. So I, I don't know, you know, yeah, you know that's the that's the tough thing. I think a lot of the studies that are done with fasting are too are like on rat models and things like that. It's 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 one of those things. But autophagy is a real thing. But I think they're starting to realize that, you know, um, things like exercise and there's other stressors that can help uh, sort of you know do the same thing. Yeah, and even supplements. There's even like supplements out there, even some drugs that you know increase autophagy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we're just learning more about it. And there's no way to measure autophagy that I know about. You know, in in the body. You know, I don't. How, how are you going to know, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, so with, with fasting, you know, do you, have, do you ever see people like overeat like in their window because they fasted in the morning and say, okay, now I have more leeway to, you know, go crazy at the buffet or wherever they go. Um, do you see any downsides to stuff like yeah. that? Or I, mean, I think, I think, I think that can happen. I think the key is to allow yourself to have a window that's big enough. So you don't have to like, feel like you're like rushing your meals in. You know, I think that, um, you know, you can have an eight hour window and have three meals, you know, you eat the same amount that you did. You know, I think the biggest thing that I start a lot of clients on is picking a window that closes at a certain time, mm. because if let's just say you're closing your eating window at seven o'clock, um, right there, you're giving yourself some time to digest your food before bed which can help with quality of sleep. And also by doing that, you're eliminating probably a lot of the processed foods that get eaten at, later on in the evening. Sure. <laughs> it's like nothing, nothing good gets eaten after seven, right? Like, right. <laughs> so, so same sort of concept there. Honestly, I think just doing that alone is, can be enough for people, especially just starting out. I mean, you don't need to you know, do such these long fasts. I think that right there, picking a window to, to close your eating window, picking a time to close your eating window um, is a great place to start it because it just creates this sort of cascade of benefits that can come from that. I love that idea because I think when people hear fasting, they think, oh, we got to cut out breakfast. We can't have breakfast. We can't eat till noon. But no one really talks about the end point when we stop eating. And I think there's a lot of different benefits and studies related to, hey, if we stop our last meal at seven, and we go to, you know, there's benefits with that, with sleep quality, with increases in metabolism. So, you know, I think stopping the eating is, is super important if your schedule allows it. I've actually been, um, I got two little kids, we're in baseball season now, and schedules are just crazy. So, you know, we're sometimes eating late, sometimes, yeah. I never know. And I know right. that's not good. I know we should keep a consistent, you know, eating schedule that's consistent with our biology and circadian rhythms and all that. But sometimes it just, life does not allow life, that to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, an, that's another thing I'll say is like, um, I mean, there are studies out now showing that, like you mentioned, like early time restrictive feeding is might, might be the, the way to go where you're eating when it's daylight. So you don't have to skip breakfast. There's no like rule about that. Um, sometimes it might be even better to have your meals earlier on in the day and, and, and not have them so late. But like you said, life gets in the way. And I think, you know, that's, that's when you just got to be flexible and not be so stringent. Yeah. How, so how have you kind of, um, cause I, I know I've been really restrictive on myself, not, not currently, but in the past, you know, like, no, I can't do that. I can't do this because of that study and that, you know, but now I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to be good as 80% of the time or 90% of the time. And then 10% of the time I'll allow myself some leeway. How's your kind of thought process evolved? Maybe you're super strict all the time. I don't know. Um, do you have kids, I, Brian? No, no, I do not have kids. I have two dogs. Um, nice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think for me, I'm the same way. I, I, um, people think that sometimes I'm like the super strict eater. I mean, I find that when I'm obviously at home and in a routine, I, that's when I eat best. Right. I mean, I think it's tough sometimes when you're traveling, um, oh, yeah. to, to, to do that, but 
I think it's all about just making the better decision. It's not necessarily the perfect decision, right? So like if you're going out to eat, for, for example, I just went out to eat last night. I don't really like going out to eat. I think that cooking for yourself or your, for your family is probably like one of the best hacks for health that you could have. But definitely we do go out, right? We do go out to eat socially. And I did last night. But it's just about making decisions and like, you know, I don't know. It was his birthday, my my buddy's birthday, and they brought these like it was a Mexican restaurant. They brought those churros like for dessert. Uh-huh. Sure. And I just was like, I can't do that. And, and that's not to say that I won't have a dessert, but that was a decision where I was like, I just know that's not going to run run well with me. I, I just yeah. So I think it's just about making the better decision, not about making the perfect decision. And it could be little things from instead of having French fries you have a baked potato, like little, you know, just little things like that, but they add up over time. I really like that a lot. Making the better decision, not always the best decision, but making the better decision, doing that consistently. Like you said earlier, making those consistent efforts day in, day out can make huge progress down the road. Yeah. But it's hard. If you're out, if you're out to eat, you know, making better decisions can be hard. You know, you're looking at the salad and the salad's more expensive than the chicken breasts, you know, or, or whatever else, or the fried food. You're like it's, well, it's, yeah. It's more expensive I, to eat healthy sometimes. It can be. It can be. Um, it can be. I think you can be smart about it. I think that if you're someone who eats at home five, six days a week and you go out once a week, I, I would say go out, eat what you want to eat. Like, you don't, sure. that's, you know, that could be your splurge. Um, but if you're someone that's eating out four, five, six days a week, um, that's when it can be an issue. That's when it can be an issue. So. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to control calories when you're out to eat for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, if uh, you're, if you're eating quality foods, if you're prioritizing protein, um, I think that it's easier to, you know, control, you know, caloric intake. Um, so I know it's not all about calories, but calories, you know, they're our unit of measurement in your bio. You talk about, it's not about counting calories. Did you count calories before? How has that evolved in, um, in your journey and with your clients as well? Yeah, I mean, counting calories actually it's interesting. My my viewpoint on it has changed a bit. I think they 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 do matter. Um, they do matter, but it's not the only thing. Um, sure. You know, so I think it's changed. I think before I like never even thought about it, but now I do with my clients have them. You know, use like a, some type of app, a chronometer, or um, you know, My Fitness Pal or something just at least initially to get an idea, like what are they consuming? Because honestly, some people and individuals that I work with, especially males, like I find that sometimes they're actually under consuming Mm. or they're under consuming protein. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to just get a baseline. I'm not saying you have to record every day, but uh, at least initially have an idea of, you know, what you're intaking and what are your macros? Yeah. I think that's important too. Just like every once in a while, periodically, check in on my fitness pal just to just see kind of what because once you know like you have a good idea of what the calories are you know the nutrient the protein requirements you know of certain foods and i'm always kind of shocked when i do it you know once a year usually we'll say hey i'm just going to track my food for a couple of days or for a week and then i'm like oh yeah i forgot how many how many calories are in this you know this item or how much yeah. how much little protein was in here and um with topic of protein we know protein is so important for satiety for muscle building for you know helping us have lean body mass as we age what are some things you focus on with your clients with protein and is there a certain number that um, you like to achieve i know everyone's numbers kind of differ based on you know activities and goals but um what are some general guidelines for people to look for yeah i mean i uh i had dr don layman on my podcast oh awesome yeah that was really cool he's a godfather protein expert. And, um, you know, I, I think from all the studies that are done, like 0.7 to 0.8 per, you know, per gram of body weight, um, is, is, is a good rule of thumb. Um, so, you know, if an individual weighs, you know, 150 pounds, then, you know, let's just say 130 pound, 30 grams of proteins, a, a good, you know, sort of target to have, but he also talked about it's, Protein is one thing, but also the amino acids. So um, he talked about a, a, a amino acid called uh, leucine, and leucine is important when it comes to muscle protein synthesis and you know muscle growth, which is you know obviously sort of the same thing. But so protein is like critical for that, and the amino acids that go along with it. So the quality of the protein is important as well because not all proteins have all the essential amino acids and things like that in it. Um, so you know if you're not eating 
animal proteins, which honestly, back in the day, I actually didn't have a ton of animal proteins. Now I've, I implement a lot more in my life just because I'm realizing just as far as like the, the bioavailability of that protein, the quality of it, as far as just having all the amino acids. Um, so I think it's important. You don't have to eat animal proteins. You can, you can supplement with, with others, but I think the most efficient you know, way to do that is to obviously have quality animal proteins with, with each meal. Yeah. And so yeah, Dr. Doc, Dr. Lehman on there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he's, he's a guy I really look up to. So I, I know he talks about, and I don't, maybe I'm getting this wrong. Maybe correct me if I am wrong. Um, is it about three grams of leucine per that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of like what per he wants to achieve per meal to get like the, the muscle stimulus. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. For people don't yeah. not listening, leucine is a branch chain amino acid. There's three of those, but there's also nine essential amino acids that we need to get. And usually we get those through protein sources, complete protein sources. And so, um, when you were not eating animal protein, how did you get kind of your complete amino acid profile or did you even know, or I didn't even know. <laughs> I probably didn't even know. I mean, I, I was like a pescatarian for a while. Um, where, you know, obviously you can get some, you know, obviously with, with fish, there obviously is protein. It's, it's maybe not as well balanced as having, um, animal, uh, proteins, but either way. Yeah. I, I, I was something that I probably didn't track as much that I do now, um, just to keep an eye on because, um, you know, just, I, I've, it was just something I sort of looked, looked past, I think earlier on. Yeah. Very cool. So now I want to talk more when I kind of dive into, um, what you do specifically, I'm going to talk about, a, what is your program called for fasting is the 21 day transformation? Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm, things are changing. I do have a 21 day intermittent fasting challenge. That's what um, it is. Okay. Right. But I do have a book coming out step ladder system, and that's going to have a bunch of programs sort of in, in there a, along with, uh, my main sort of flagship program is, um, is a six month program called the fat burner blueprint. Fat burner blueprint. So with the step ladder system, so that incorporates some of the, the intermittent fasting challenge in, into it, or is it a little bit different? Yeah. I mean, the step ladder system is going to incorporate pretty much everything that's in my six month program. So that's, you know, all around mindset. That's around um, stress management, um, activity upgrade, sleeping like a superhero, and um, nutrition and meal timing as well. Sign me up. That sounds great. Sleep, <laughs> sleeping like a superhuman. I love that. Um, talk about the stepladder system. How did you, you know, how did this evolve? How did you come up with this? And what are some of the, it hasn't launched yet though, or, ha or has it? Yeah, the book is done. Uh, nice. Everything's being put together as far as the, you know, it's going to be sort of um, uh, like a, a big funnel that people can, you know, buy certain things if they want or, you know, whatever fits their their needs. If if they're looking to, you know, I have something about build muscle in your basement. I have like a, a, a thing about a Q&A. So, it, yeah, it's sort of a whole, um, whole bundle, I'd say, uh, of different things. And it sounds so comprehensive because usually you only know, get like one or two out of the six you mentioned, but they don't kind of put them all together, which people are really looking for. They want everything. They want to get help from all different aspects. Um, so yeah. did you always know about the, all these different things together or did you ever like kind of just piecemeal it one by one? Say, hey, like I know mindset's important, but how do I incorporate that into weight loss patient? And how do I, you know, mit mit mitigate stress and how do I optimize sleep and how do I get nutrition and activity levels to, to balance each other. How did you get all these things to come together? Like you did for this program? Well, I, what I did, it's just through experience, honestly, like just working with clients and realizing that, well, you know, yeah. I mean, initially I was like, oh, it's all about resistance training. And then I'm like, oh, well, no, actually nutrition is a big part of it as well. And then, you know, as I've gone through the years, you're like, okay, well, he's not sleeping so well. So that's, you know, that's something we need to focus on. And so I think it was just my experience through working with clients allowed me to put together this, this stepladder system and this sort of six, the six steps, uh, you know, to, to health. So. And so it's also a way for clients to, you know, not only are you, I'm time, time gets limited when you get busy, you know, you can't see everybody one-on-one, -on -one, um, that you right. want to. So sometimes stuff like this, like you, you've created helps people, helps even more people that, that can use this anytime, anytime, anywhere that they want to do. So for, for example, do you mind sharing anything that you like not, not give away the whole program for free or anything, but you know, how does, yeah. how do you incorporate mindset uh, for, for clients? Yeah. I mean, so initially if I work with a client, what we'll do is we'll really dive into their, like their, why their reasonings, why, and sort of setting a, um, you know, just understanding like what, what are those unconscious things that you've done 
that, that you might not even know of that were sort of hampering your results. And so we really dive into that. I think that's something, especially with males, like um, they're not necessarily aware of those patterns that have come up. And this could be anything from thinking they're just like, they're, they were always this fat kid, right? I mean, like, it, honestly, mm. they put this label on themselves and they've had this for so many years. And, um, you know, they just think sort of it's a joke, but it's really not. I mean, it's something that, you know, if you keep telling yourself that, then and you make, you make a label of yourself. So I, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where creating clarity is all based around, um, just getting crystal clear on your why and, you know, uncovering any like unconscious, unconscious self-sabotaging habits that, that could have, or patterns that could have been coming up through the past, you know, whatever, 30 years or something. So that's the first thing was, did you want me to go? Yeah, 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 go, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Go ahead and like just quickly go through like, yeah. not, not the whole, not the whole program, but what do you do for stress? And, yeah. So, you know, so yes. Yeah. So creating clarity would be one next is what we'll do is we'll, we'll find like those uh, major culprits, those low hanging fruits that we can create some small wins right off the bat. So um, awesome. Small, yeah. Small changes, but big results. Next activity upgrade. Um, you know, some people need this. Some people don't. And um, I actually just had actually just came out today. I think Dr. Dr. Jake wish with the X three bar, um, is something that I've utilized for myself and my clients. It's something that you could do out of your home and it's, it's variable resistance and it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice system, especially if you've never done any type of lifting. Um, and it's a little bit easier on your joints than normal weights. So some type of activity upgrade, something to keep them consistent. Doesn't have to be this two hour workout. Um, and then from there sleeping, sleeping obviously is important. And we just, you know, we try to create this simple manageable routine, both in the evening and and potentially in the morning to help with sleep. Uh, next, like you mentioned, stress. And stress is one of those things, especially I think with a lot of males, they just don't really think that they need to deal with or or sort of wrap their arms around. And so we, we, we try to create some type of mindfulness practice. Um, and, you know, this could be meditation, but it could be something like, you know, just um, maybe a, a short yoga class or whatever it is some type of breathing exercises to help with mindfulness. Um, and then lastly is nutrition and meal timing. So that's, you know, that's sort of the the six steps and and what is, you know, what I go through in the book and stuff. So I love it. That's so important for everybody. Um, you mentioned the X3 bar and so I've, I've been, I've never tried it myself and I've definitely, I'm, I've seen it. I know the concept behind it. Um, do you only do that or do you, I mean, if, or do you incorporate other fitness you know, activities yeah, so, or in, into that, or how does that work with you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I never used it up till a few years ago. And then when COVID hit, um, mm. it was like, okay, well, I'm working out in my basement. I need something else. And that's sort of how it came about. Um, and so I started using it through that. I really liked it. I liked it, especially because uh, definitely a, a, a few of the exercises, I just because I was so used to traditional lifting, I, I really enjoyed them. They were a little bit easier on my joints and just less, I don't know, just easier to to set up, you know, like sometimes, you know, doing deadlifts, it's like, okay, it's not that it's that big of a pain, but it, it was a lot more efficient doing in my basement with, with bar, with bands and, and a bar than, than a bunch of weights that I didn't have. <laughs> so I still use it to this day. Um, but I do mix it up. Now I I'm back into, uh, the gym, uh, and I try to maybe do 50, 50, I'd say sometimes I'll do X3. Sometimes I'll go into the gym. Cause you know, there's a little more, you could do a little bit more like functional work, obviously in the gym, if I want to do, you know, some type of sprints or some type of lateral movement or whatever it is that I, you know, just to mix it up. So that's awesome. And you called the, uh, one of your, one of your phrases, was it building muscle in the basement or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I want to try yeah, the X. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I want to try the X3 bar out sometimes. It seems. Are you familiar with the ARX machines at all? Uh, I'm not. I know there's obviously some competitors out there. I mean, there's some that are more expensive. I think I talked with him about like the tonal. Uh, where oh it's like yeah. A, have you heard of the tonal? Oh and, yeah. Um, but I've not heard of. I know there's some other band systems out there. I've not heard of that one. So ARX, I don't, it's not a band system. It's a whole machine, and it's like um, um, I don't know too much about it. So anyone listening, I'm, I might butcher it, but it's like um. <laughs> continual resistance so if you're pushing pushing it's going to match mm. the intensity and it's going to bring you back so the proponents of it say you only need you know two rounds of 20 minutes per week and that's any more than that is too much 
Um, my buddy Nasson has one and they're getting, you know, great results with it. I know they're super expensive, but, um, I do want to try it sometime. Cause you can just hear like, feel like, cause it's increasing the resistance as you're pressing and it's matching exactly the output that you're, that you're giving it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few companies. I think there's another one, a buddy of mine has called Virtuin. I want to say Virtuin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where it, it, it's like the, the load sort of, it feels like what you can resist and it, it mm. like you said, it increases the load and. Um, yeah, I think that stuff's great. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of studies done on like a time under tension and, and yeah. you don't necessarily have to be doing all these, you know, these sets and these reps. If you do a, a few that are like really, you know, it really intense that, that can, you can get the same type of growth from that. And I really think it just boils down to what works for you. You know, if, is that going to work for you? If you're going to, if you can go to this clinic and do it twice right. a week for 20 minutes and it's consistent and you can do that, do it. If you like going to the gym, because one, you get stress relief, you get to catch up on, watching TV or you get to have community at your CrossFit group, you know, do whatever works for you uh, and just stay consistent with it. And I think that's the biggest thing. And what I've learned anyways, with most people, and I'm sure you have too, um, with, you know, what are your, you know, I know you have the stepladder system, you have your, your six month kind of um, blueprint program. What are your goals, you know, the next five, 10 years and where do you see kind of your health and wellness, you know, business going? Yeah. So good question i mean my goals are right now to you know build build my flagship program work with clients one on one and then eventually get that to where i can hold groups of individuals that way i can affect more people and help more people at, you know rather than just one on one so i think that's the big, biggest thing right now is is helping people through my book but then you know identifying the right individuals that need that one on one and then eventually just um uh, creating some type of group programs that individuals can can work to together because I think there's something powerful in working with groups as much as I enjoy one on one with individuals um, when you're when you're next to someone else who's your age and having similar issues I think that's a motivation in itself and I found that when I was doing training back in the day with groups is you know you're next to someone who's younger than you and you know it just pushing you on I think that can really help so. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot to be said with community building, with group building. I even know, you know, physicians and doctors who do group classes now where they do, they bring people with similar conditions. Maybe we have a diabetes class and similar individuals, similar issues, and then they can build up each other. They can be accountable. They can, you know, help each other out with, hey, like I'm falling back with my diet. What are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this and this. And so I think it's a great way. And especially with fitness and health, you know, these stuff happens in life. Life gets busy. And of, and of course, to add all the chaos to it. We always hear about all, all the new stuff and then we want to try the new stuff and maybe it's not for everybody. And um, one thing I, we didn't talk about, I want to just kind of circle back to the fasting part is um, you've mentioned this before, but when is fasting maybe not a good idea? What are some signs and symptoms mm -hmm. of fasting that maybe you should take a break from fasting or maybe not fast? Or, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things I've learned that can really be beneficial with fasting is the fact that it can provide gut relief for individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's a big one. So gut relief is huge, but, but for people sometimes when they start overdoing it with fasting, because as we've talked before, fasting is a stressor. Um, and so I think it's one of those things where people get into troubles where they start stacking stressors on it, on top of each other. And, and that can take a toll on your system. It can take a toll on your sleep, your hormones, you know, like you talked about uh, thyroid and things like that. So I think it's something to just be aware of, you know, if you're doing, you know, low carb and you're calorie restricting and you're working out and you're cold plunging and you're, and you're fasting, um, you know, your body is sort of going to might, might start slowing down a bit and we don't want that. So uh, I think it's just something that, that it's sort of a case by case basis, but it's something to, to some people can handle stress more than others. But if you're someone that does feel like they have a lot of outside stressors, then maybe fasting right away is not, not what you should be doing. Yeah. Sorry. My camera wish went out. I'm not sure why okay. it's doing that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned fast, fasting is a stressor, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that it can be a stressor. You're not having calories, you're, you know, you're going to be messing with some of the cortisol surges, you know, with it, when it happens, some blood sugar, um, you know, typically blood sugar would go down, but if you're stressed, it can go up from the cortisol connection. Yeah. So, and I think that's yeah. important to know because sometimes you have a, maybe it's usually more, more females probably, but they, they try fasting. They have this cortisol surge and they don't eat to blunt that cortisol and blood sugar balance, you know, with protein usually, then it can 
cause havoc and they can have more hormonal swings throughout the day. So sometimes fasting isn't always for everybody, but it's like working with, with a coach like you, you know, with a trainer, with a physician can kind of guide you through when to fast, when it might not be right for you. Here's some signs to look for. And I think that's huge because it is a stressor. And if you have a lot of stress in your life, maybe you should stack on the stressor strategically, you know, because right now I'm not fasting because I got some stress in my life. And um, right now eating for me, it feels better when I have protein first thing in the morning, but I do try to eat, you know, not past seven o'clock most nights when I can, but that's just me right now. So I might try fasting later, but right now I'm liking the protein first thing in the morning. It's helping me with satiety, Um, but everybody's different. Everyone's different. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, depends on on where you're at, what stage of, uh, you know, where you're at in life. And like you said, like, I mean, I, I have a cold plunge, but if, if I feel like I'm not, I, I, I you know, let's just say if I'm not feeling a hundred percent, I probably don't, a lot of times I won't go in there. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's just using it strategically. Um, yeah, that's awesome. You have a cold plunge. I, I want to get one of those. Um, but I didn't, I don't know how much I would use it. Cause I'm like, it takes a lot for me to like, okay, I'm going today. I'm going today. I have to like, think about it, mentally prepare. Um, how, when did you get your cold plunge and, um, how's uh, that been benefiting you? Gosh. Yeah. I've had it for a little over a year now. Um, it was like, a, it's just something that I was like, I, I really wanted to get, I had a perfect room for it. Um, cause I I'm, you know, I'm in Chicago, so I can't be, it can't be outside. Like people in California get them, they keep them outside. This one's indoor, but I have nothing under it. There's no like basement. It's just a slab of, of concrete. So if something, God forbid, happens with the, with the plunge <laughs> and the water goes everywhere, I'm, I'm okay. Right. Like, so, uh, anyways, um, but yeah, it's been great. I mean, you know, I'm a big golfer. Um, I've had some hip issues and some things like that. And so it's helping with inflammation and stuff like that. And, um, I mean, it's just something it's to me, it's almost just like a, a med getting into a meditative state. It's just another way of doing meditation personally. And just, you know, being in your own, um, sort of in your own little zone. And, you know, I don't go in there for long and I sort of use it strategically. I don't use it around resistance training. Cause you know, when you resistance training, you're breaking muscle down and, and then you're repairing and, and you don't need to, you don't want to go into a cold environment for that. You know, maybe if you go for a mile run, you can go in it, but not if you're doing resistance training. So I've learned ways to strategically use it. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it is something that I, I, I have just grown to love. That's awesome. Did you start off with cold showers first or did you maybe try cold plunge somewhere else and like, Hey, I got to get one. Yeah. Cold showers. And then I, I was at my parents' house on and off, uh, over COVID and, and they had a pool. And, and, uh, so I used to go in there when it was a little bit colder. And so I did that and then some cold baths and then I just decided to splurge and cause cold baths are cool, but like, you know, filling them up and getting ice and doing all this, it's like, okay, like, it's, it's, it's not bad, but if you, it, it just becomes a little bit of a pain. So I just, I, I've done cryotherapy as well, which is another just form of cold exposure. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Cause this we're in the health and wellness, you know, um, scene and yeah, it was all about cryo chambers, you know, maybe five years ago and everyone, I was doing them all the time too. Then now it's the full body cold immersion. I'm like, man, this takes me back to like training days in high school, you know, or had to get her whole body in there for, for injuries. <laughs> But um, yeah. now there's all whole host of benefits for that. Um, and yeah, I, I try to cold plunge when I can. I, I was trying to get in my pool the other day. Um, it's February, but it was closed. I was trying to get in there, you know, cold plunge. Um, my girlfriend's like, don't do it. I'm like, I'm doing it. We're doing it today. But um, I <laughs> yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, so daily stressors. Yeah. Cold plunge. Some Sometimes seemingly healthy things can be a stressor, like fasting, like cold plunge. Anything else you would add to that list? I mean, you know, uh, I, I just started messing around with red light therapy. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I can't report back much. I've only had it for like a week. Um, but you know, there are studies around red light therapy and how it can, you know, help, especially with skin, a lot, a lot around, like just like tightening up skin and, and, um, and, and skin health. But I, I have to say, I'm, I'm just getting into it. So it's something I just wanted to try out. And I, I've had some people on my podcast talk about it. Uh, Dr. Michael Twyman, who's a cardiologist he's big into into red light therapy but anyways yeah so you know that that's one and obviously sauna i think sweating is important if you mm-hmm. can sweat in some way you know it doesn't have to be in a sauna but some type of sweating every week i think is important exercise yeah getting outside um yeah. in the heat I, I do have a sauna yeah that's one of the things i got a couple of years ago nice. during the pandemic and i love it 
it's just stress relief. You know, I, I'm not a big meditator. I know all the benefits of it. Um, but for me, I just um, have a really hard time sitting still, but I can go into my quiet place, you know, and, you know, chill for a little bit or sometimes activity, maybe for you, it's golf. For me, when I golf, I'm super frustrated. So it's not really that, uh, <laughs> that calming for yeah, me. Right. <laughs> it can be if I'm fine, like playing good, but that's few and far between, but uh, right, yeah, I think right. it's finding what you like to do. For me, maybe shooting hoops, playing basketball still just to ease my mind. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so what what is um in this health and wellness space? There's always new and exciting stuff. What are is there anything new and exciting that you're trying besides the red light therapy or like any kind of uh, apps or sleeping well, device like the Aura Ring? Do you try any of that stuff or anything yeah. new? I mean, I think the devices are cool. The wearables, I think, I think you got to be careful with those. And, and, and because a lot of times, you know, you're, that wearable might be like, oh, you had shitty sleep. And you're like, oh, I actually feel pretty good. <laughs> and yes. it, it could be sort of like a mind mess with your mind a bit. So I think you got to be a little bit mindful or careful with those wearables. Maybe use them for a few weeks and then be like, that's what I sort of done. I've tried a lot of different wearables, whether it's a CD, CGM or, mm-hmm. or, a, or a whoop or Aura Ring. Um, but I do think that's the future is, is the testing mm-hmm. and just ways to sort of track where, where your health is at. Um, and you're just seeing this nowadays. I, um, I just interviewed a guy who, who's, who was big in, in like the anti-aging space. And it, it is amazing where things are going as, as far as like stem cell and things like that. And, and just in, improving your mitochondria in, in different ways. And, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the next do whatever like ten years, but I think that's that's where the, the the health and wellness space is. I feel like they're going towards is is um is just you know turning back the clock as much as possible. Everybody wants to be younger and more beautiful. That's for sure. This is true. Yeah, but I like the point about the trackers because I, I wear an aura ring and I I know I don't sleep well, but last night I felt like I slept pretty good. I had some good dreams. But I woke up and the aura rings. I like, you slept like terrible. I'm like really. You know, but I have noticed like if I have like a, a glass of wine, it, it messes up. I didn't have any, didn't drink it all yesterday and my sleep is terrible based on the aura ring, but I still feel good and I'm, you know, doing what I want to do. And I actually like waited to have my caffeine like you're supposed to do 90 minutes after waking. I never <laughs> do. I never do that. And I was like, that was one of the things I was thinking about today is like, we know all these things to do and they sound great in theory. Like we shouldn't have caffeine. We have to wait 90 minutes before we have caffeine because of the cortisol spikes. And today just so happened that I was able to do that. But most days. I'm rushing out the door. I got kids. I'm we're going to school, going to work and trying to work out too. All so sometimes I can't do all that stuff and I'm sure you see that as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not about being perfect, right? But I uh, you know, there's these guidelines and these recommendations and if you know, it doesn't happen every day, that's fine. I mean, I'm not a big coffee drinker. I will say caffeine. I, I do sometimes use it strategically like before a workout or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, I think it's not about beating yourself and being perfect. It's just about taking little small steps every day. And I think that's really important. Awesome. So Brian, if you, um, if you didn't have any stress, no, no work um, obligations or responsibilities, and you could do just have the very, very perfect day, what would that look like? <laughs> well, I was just living that about a week ago. Cause I was in Florida. Um, so for me, a, per- a perfect day, I mean, some type of golf involved and it doesn't even have to be playing. Uh, it's a practicing and then, you know, working out, I really enjoy lifting and working out. So those two things for sure. And then just being with family, I'd say those, those would be the three things that I would, would be an ideal day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any food you would consume <laughs> on that perfect day? Any what? Any, any certain food you'd consume on that uh, perfect day? Um, yeah, you, I'm no, I would, I would consume food. Yes, for sure. I mean, are you asking me like what my favorite foods are or you're just saying, yeah, like, uh, I know, I know, I know, uh, with, you know, with our mindsets, we, we use food as fuel, but sometimes like, Hey, like if I could eat this every single day for the rest of my life, what would that food be? And it'd be healthy and nutritious. Like what, what would that food be for you? And, 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 and so, I mean, I love chocolate peanut butter, like something like that would be great. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, but obviously I know I can't eat that every day. So, um, but I do, I have grown to love, like we get a lot of quality high, high quality meats and we, and we make some cool stuff, um, you know, just like ribeyes and fillets and things like that. And, uh, those are things that I enjoy. That's awesome. Yeah. I had one of the, my best ribeyes I've ever had the other day at a restaurant here in Austin. It was a hundred hour marinated ribeye. Oh. Uh, golly. I was supposed to like save some of it. I was telling myself, save some of <laughs> I can barely, I was like, I have like a little bitty piece that I saved, but man, oh. yeah, it was good. It was good. You should have just finished it. 
I know. I know. Now it's like, now it's not even worth it. I'm like, what am I going to do? Make some eggs yeah. with it? I guess so. We'll see. Right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, now, now they're wrapping up. I like to ask a few questions that I typically ask every guest. And it's really cool to see kind of the different answers that I get with this. Um, so if you could put a billboard in Chicago, busy Chicago, downtown, just a couple sentences or maybe a couple of phrases, could be a couple words, could be one word. What would the health phrase be and why? So that would be, if you don't have your health, what do you have? Mm, love it. Love it. Yeah. Good so. pondering question. Okay. So now <laughs> if we, so now if we could just imagine a little bit, if we were on a deserted island and you knew you're going to be at this deserted island for a while, what health related device supplements would you take and why? Well, or whatever, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be any it, of those. I mean, I think, Okay. I probably have a boat no, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I could get off, but I would say that some type of device where I could, you know, I actually think the, like having like something like the X3 would be great to have because then I could do resistance training while I was on this, on the Island. So that was like the first thing that came to my mind. Um, yeah. So that, that's probably what it would be. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's, a, that's I mean, the first workout device I think I've had. So, you know, everyone has different answers, you know, supplements, oh, okay. gadgets. So it's, doesn't, there's no right or wrong answer. I love it. No. Okay. So um, this has been a really fun interview. I really got to really enjoy, you know, getting to know more about you and how you're helping your clients with health and wellness. And I love the stepladder system. Um, is there any questions that you may have wanted to cover that I didn't ask today? I mean, no, I think, I think we, uh, I think we touched on a lot and um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. It's been fun. So Brian, tell us where we can find out more about you, where we can follow you on social media, where we can find out more about your stepladder system, um, where we can find out just more about your programs. Yeah. Right now, BrianGrin.com is the best place. And then be at BD Grin uh, for Instagram. And as the book comes out and stuff, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be posting some things up there so they can just, you know, look for that as well. So. Can you spell your website out for us? Yeah. Oh, Brian Grin. Yeah. B-R-I-A-N and then G-R-Y-N N is in Nancy.com. So awesome. Brian, Brian, and your stepladder system and your, all your programs are on the website. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a separate website for the book, but uh that's not completely developed yet. But and when is a when is the book? Um the the PDF book or the, is it a PDF or is it a yeah, it's gonna be a PDF book. Yeah. Very cool. When is that when is that officially launch? Uh, your, I guess is as good as mine. I would <laughs> say, I would say within the next couple of weeks, I, awesome. when I, I don't know when this goes live, but probably, probably sometime in March, I would say. sometime in March. Cool. Yeah. yeah. How long did that take you? Cause I'm writing a book right now and it's taken me a lot, a lot longer than I expected. Yeah. Well, get, you know, I had some help, <laughs> uh, that really, you know, help, help me gather my thoughts around, around it, but it's taken, um, I have to look back, but probably it's taken me at least six months. Yeah. It's yeah, tedious. Yeah. You got to be consistent too. I know that. So yeah. Well, very yeah. cool. Well, Brian, this has been, a, it's been an awesome time chatting with you, learning more about you and your programs. And I really appreciate all the fasting knowledge that we got today and all the just mindset, nutrition, exercise and everything else in between. So anyone listening, please give Brian a follow. Um, please like and share this so we can um, get more uh, people to watch these episodes and we'll see everybody next time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Fredrickson Health Show. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a rating and review. Follow us on social media and subscribe to our email newsletter for more information.